Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. All right, welcome into the show. Henry, welcome back, man. I know you had a, you, you're nice and refreshed, right? You had a little vacation. You're out bike riding in the desert, I saw on Twitter. That looked pretty sweet. Yeah, I was shredding my mountain bike out <laughs> in Sedona, Utah, Arizona, and parts of Utah, southwest Utah. I don't know, I don't know uh, people who listen to the show know how, know how uh, hardcore you are, man. That's, that's pretty good stuff. I like that. Yeah, it was dope. I got to, I, I got into mountain biking. I'm, I'm so basic. Like the two sports that people got into during the pandemic are, are mountain biking and golf. Um, I imagine there are other ones, but those are the two that I got sucked into. Yeah. And, uh, so I've been mountain biking for about a year now and I love, love riding my bike. I live in New Hampshire now as maybe, maybe we have some dedicated listeners who know that by now, but, uh, (laughs) but I love riding up here and so it was so cool to get out and and do like crazy terrain out in in Arizona and Utah. Now nah, it looked wild. Some of the photos that you posted that were, that was pretty cool. And of course, while you're on vacation, right during the kind of monotony that is draft prep, I thought it was good timing. Like just get out of Dodge. It seems like we're just waiting and waiting and like like you said before we started recording, twiddling our thumbs, waiting for the freaking draft. But then, of course, you're you're out there, you're on your bike, and uh, meanwhile, Julian Edelman back home is sitting in the chair in Foxborough announcing his retirement. So, of course, that's just how life works. It was sort of a surprise. I mean, obviously, the time was I was I was actually coming, <laughs> I was coming out of a campsite uh, up in up in Canyonland where I had no reception, and just as another fun layer to this story, I had just won a huge pool for the Masters golf tournament which was, was a, a pretty exhilarating thing to happen. Even when I had no cell reception, I had to like hike to a high point to get the news that I had won. <laughs> it's always good um, news. It's always fun exactly. to win a pool. So then I'm coming down from the campsite, and I get a, an alert on my phone that Edelman is retired, and um, uh, I was pretty shocked. I mean, it was clear that he was trying to get back to football. Like, I think he wanted to play in 2021 um but ultimately the patriots were probably not going to pay him what he was due to play at a limited capacity which was the only thing that was possible for him and he's not really a limited capacity guy yeah he's a he's a hundred percent i mean that's what his documentary on showtime is is titled 100 percent. so yeah it's a good point it, it just it didn't all it didn't make sense for him um, anymore. And, you know, actually going back to the conversation I had with him earlier this off season, you know, I asked him about some of the worst injuries he's had and he started reflecting, I think 
not coincidentally, on the injury he has, which is a knee injury. And he was talking about how, you know, some of the more painful injuries are actually not the ones that are the worst because like a rib injury, which hurts the most, you're still a fully functional athlete, even if the pain of getting hit at the end of each play is difficult. The pain of a knee injury, however, in, in it makes you a worse athlete. It makes you unable to perform at your highest level. And he was talking more about that on Pardon My Take. You know, since he's retired, he, he did an appearance on the Barstool podcast and he was saying, well, you know, it's it it it's not that it just limits your ability to run. You can't run was basically what he said. So he's at a place, I think, physically where he he can't be the player he needs to be that he wants to be. And I think that's sort of agonizing for him. And it's uh, football was such a big part of uh, his life. It seems like uh, he was so dedicated to the sport. So, um, you know, he was joking that he's going to have to figure out what to do in his free time. Um, and I hope, I hope he, you know, I hope he finds some cool endeavors. It sounds like he's interested in joining, you know, football media to some degree He's going to partner with Viacom and do some work for inside the NFL. But, um, you know, I think he'd be great on TV talk shows and, and um, he's a really good storyteller. Uh, so I think, you know, getting him involved in on television would, would be, would be great if that's what he wants to do. Uh, obviously he's made enough money and he's built a big enough brand that he could probably just retire if that's what he wanted. But he seems like a bit of a busy body. Yeah, um, remember those videos he used to make with Danny Amendola, like skateboarding around and doing this stupid stuff. Like, yeah, he's he's kind of good at that thing. Like social media, he's really good at it. The brand JE Eleven, I think he'll be great if he ends up in a broadcast. He's pretty well spoken, right? I think he'd be great if he ends up in a broadcast booth. That's what I'm kind of hoping for him for sure. I hope we see his face because he's an entertaining guy. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, if he could be um, a compliment to a play-by-play, like if he could be a game day broadcaster as an analyst, he would be really fun to watch. I, uh, I agree. I agree. I mean, think about what Aqib Talib has done. Sort of like not, not you know, it's so we, we see these like super polished quarterbacks be the analysts and it's so, you know, cookie cutter. Even Tony Romo is so fun because he's a little quirky. Yeah. But then to go like fully um, different with Aqib Talib, I mean, the obvious difference, he's a black guy, he's a cornerback. Um, and, he, you know, that that in itself is different than a white guy, Tony Romo. Um, so there's a cultural difference there, uh, a positional difference there. And uh, I think that in itself makes it interesting and different. But, you know, with Edelman, you, you've got a, a guy who's uh, – he wasn't he had to work really hard he knows the game really well but he's also like he's got an edge to him he's not he's very snarky and i think that could translate well and in a fun way for um play-by-play or as a compliment to play-by-play you know as as for julian edelman's career i think it's it's interesting i I don't think he's a, a hall of famer like i think in some ways you can make the argument and it's not, you know, you're not wrong to make the argument. It's just that it will ultimately fall on deaf ears 
in the Hall of Fame. You just look at which receivers have actually made the Hall, and I and I don't think Edelman's greatness as a playoff and Super Bowl player pushed the scales enough to compensate for his lack of production in the regular season. But there's no doubt that he is one of the most remarkable stories in Patriots history. And um, I would say to some degree, he's up there sort of as a greater NFL. But I think, you know, fans in New England, they just have such a sort of cult love for Edelman because of, you know, how he exemplifies what the Patriots have done as a franchise, you know, to be. If you think about how the competitive balance of the NFL works, franchises are not supposed to be able to do what the Patriots do. And if you think about how, you know, the NFL system works, Julian Edelman should not have succeeded. So I think in some ways you see symbols that draw parallels, right? Where Edelman succeeds when he shouldn't, the Patriots succeed when they shouldn't. Edelman is a product of this sort of insane work ethic, uh, underdog mentality. You know, it's, it's, there are some, some of it's just cliche, uh, that we see in sport, and the, and it's the kind of story that we cling to. But some of it is is truly what make the you know makes the Patriots unique. And so, for Edelman to have succeeded and be such a symbol for how the Patriots do things, um, it's it's just uh, amazing to watch the you know this this sort of career, this this great story, come to at least a conclusion from a from a like him being an NFL receiver. He's got a lot uh, going for him and and moving forward, but I will obviously be sad to, to, you know, see him leave the team um, and sad not to be able to talk to him in the locker room when he was at his best, when he was happy, he was such a good player to talk to. He had such good stories. He was ready to tell you something that'll make you laugh. Um, and that's not necessarily true of, of many players in the in the Patriots locker room. That's so, <laughs> yeah, and you know, and on his bad days, he was really bad. I mean, he 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 was just as mean or um, uh, as sort of evasive as any player in the locker room. But on his good days, he was really good um, and very entertaining. You know, my reaction to when he retired. I, I think I was I, I shouldn't have been surprised because I could tell just by talking to you every week that if he was going to play it all this year, he wasn't really going to contribute a lot. It just sounded like he, he wasn't going to be the same guy. And oh, yeah, the Patriots go out and get all these other pass catchers. And we've been talking about the weapons and where would Edelman fit? We didn't even know. So I think I shouldn't have been so surprised. But I think I was just more kind of it, it was tough. It was like sad, right, that to see that it was it was done, because for me, Edelman, he's like he's like the combination of so many of my favorite Patriots. Like Tom Brady, he has the same kind of psychotic mentality as Brady, breathing, sleeping, football, all that. So I think he's got a little Brady in him in that way. And he's definitely got some Troy Brown in him, right? Because, and I loved Troy Brown growing up and you got Edelman out there, kick returning, playing corner when he needed to, playing defense, uh, and then being a stud receiver. And obviously Wes Welker, he had that thing in him too where everyone wants to kind of say, oh, who was better, Wes Welker or Julian Edelman? I don't, I don't care. I loved both of those guys. They were both awesome Patriots, right? So he has all of these like guys that I loved growing up watching the Patriots. He was like kind of like a combination of all of them. I just think I, I, I could care less about the Hall of Fame thing. I know he's going to be in the Patriots Hall of Fame. I think he was one of the best Patriots that I've ever watched 
you said you were a little surprised and I think I, I was insinuating that I was too. I, I was, and it's like we were both saying, you know, we both logically knew that Edelman's career was coming to an end, but Edelman was sort of this like illogical character. Yes. He's like, I mean, he's going to become sort of a myth. Like I think in, in the Patriots lore because of, of how his career was structured. It was just like, all he did was make these unbelievable plays in Super Bowls and playoff games. And I mean, think back to his touchdown pass to Danny Amendola in the uh, Baltimore Ravens game. All-time moment, all-timer. I mean, it wasn't even, right? Like his all-time moments actually came in the Super Bowls. But for that moment to only be, you know, his fifth or fourth best play in in a playoff game, just sort of his example exemplary of where he was in you know where he sits in Patriots lore as a as a playoff player so for him to retire when he's sort of this mythological sort of psychologically crazy and uh, <laughs> illogical player in our minds I think that's sort of an interesting reality of it all you know it, it all these careers come to an end at some point and, and so even though you know it seemed like Edelman was the guy that would somehow play through the crazy injury you know he he, he won't be doing that coming up next some thoughts on the draft and surprise surprise Henry has another crazy mock draft out there and uh, so we got to we got to get into this one. There were some players, Henry, that you picked for the Patriots in this one that I'm I'm actually excited about. So we'll get into that coming up next. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Henry, in your latest mock draft, more trades. And and I like this. Now, you basically come out in the intro to the article. You basically let people know, look, this is a mock draft, and it's going to get crazy. So it's like, buckle in, right? This is what it's going to be. But in this one, a little bit different. You have the Patriots trading up, but not for a quarterback. So this is a little bit of a twist, a different kind of scenario. And you have the Patriots going up to number 11 with the Giants and acquiring Devontae Smith. And uh, I would love this if it happened, right? I, I think I would love this as much as if they moved up to get a quarterback because Smith is, isn't he? He's just kind of like we we're just talking about Edelman. He's kind of the receiver that the Patriots love. Uh, a guy that is undersized might be a little undervalued in this draft because you know he's like 170 pounds or whatever and not that not very tall. But every time I watched Alabama play, nobody could cover Devonte Smith. I know Ohio State couldn't cover Devonte Smith in that championship game. I feel like he's a scheme fit for the Patriots. They could use him in all kinds of different ways, and he would be a steal if you get him outside the top ten. I, I really believe that. So if this happened in this scenario that you've created in the first round. That would be pretty sweet. I would be all for Devontae Smith. So there are three receivers. I, th- I might have gotten into this a, l- a little bit in previous podcasts, but in my mind, and the more I really dive into this receiver class, there are three receivers that are truly worth a top 10 pick. But then the weird thing is, past that, you can poke holes in the rest of the receiving class to the point where they're almost worth like second round picks. Like there's, there's this tier of like 10 players, I'd say that 
to me are more like second round quality. Um, and unless they're a great schematic fit, um, are probably not like they just, they just don't scream first round to me. So the, yep. the, the first rounders and, and true top 10 picks are Jamar chase out of LSU. And then the two Alabama guys, Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle. And even those guys have question marks because Waddle dealt with an injury. And so we didn't get much film from him in 2020 and chase opted out in 2020, but was a beast in 2019 and Smith weighs 166 pounds. Oh, it's going down. To, it's going down. Oh, that's yeah. not good. <laughs> yeah. At the NFL combine, he was finally measured officially and he weighed 166 pounds. So those are, those are the three question marks. And still, I will say that all three of those guys are just truly elite prospects. Um, everybody's imperfect, right? So I like this trade up because he's the last of those three available. And then like you said, in my mind, he's kind of the best. Um, he's the best schematic fit. Now, a guy like Jamar Chase fits schematically with everyone, right? Um, <laughs> right. But he should be gone. So, but he'll be gone exactly. So, one of the guys trickles down. It's probably going to be Waddle or Smith. But I don't think both of them will last, until, or either of them will last until fifteen. So you move up, um, you package a, a second round pick with your first rounder. Uh, and then you get Devonte Smith, a guy who, you know, I think there's this there's this weird gray area at 15, where if you really like one of the defensive prospects, they'll probably be there. But I'm not crazy about this defensive class. Like I really think that most of the offensive talent is is where the elite talent lies. And that might just be because I like watching offense better than defense. Uh, I'll admit my bias there. Um, but I also just think like the truly good defensive players, like, you know, like Micah Parsons, he's a, I've heard really bad things about him in the locker room. Like it goes beyond immaturity. Yep. I think he's, he's been really like, that's an elite player who has some, some character concerns. Like how, how will he be as a teammate? Uh, otherwise that would be a good player to get a 15. Um, so anyway, that's sort of why I justify you move up, you get one of the truly elite players in this process, in this draft, rather than sitting on the fringe in 15, hoping that one of them falls to you and potentially having to trade back. And, and really you don't want to trade back in this draft because you have 10 picks and a roster stocked with high end talent, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so by adding, you know, depth players, you kind of, you know, you run, you, you basically want to buy, you want to buy in on like developmental players at the back end of the first round, guys who will be pro bowlers, but won't be playing much in their first year. So that would be another scenario. And I've done mock drafts like that, where you trade back and then you actually make like two picks in the first round, or you trade back and you get a first rounder in 2022. Um, so there are all sorts of ways to, think about it strategically in this case i you know i go all in on a really good offensive skill player in round one yeah and, and you make all kinds of trades as usual and you're not only trading draft picks which is why i love this so that i i try to see like okay what is henry thinking like why does henry hate jc jackson like now that's what i want to know after reading this <laughs> so you so you obviously you hate jc jackson 
and you want to trade him to old friend Brian Flores of the Dolphins, and you want to do it for an offensive lineman. And I was just like, what, is, what are you thinking here, Henry? But I get it. So so maybe some, uh, some insurance for Isaiah Wynn, who's been oft injured. So that would make some sense if they went out and got a tackle. Uh, who could play on the left side for Isaiah Wynn Insurance. But I got to go back to the original question. Why do you hate J.C. Jackson so much? You try to trade him. I know. You know, okay, so here, here's the, the dirt on J.C. Jackson. <laughs> First of all, he has a really hard time with – or when he was a rookie, he had a really hard time with the scheme. Um, and, uh, you know, from what I understand, he was – he needed additional instruction on the field after play calls. Um so that was one thing where, you know, he just was he was struggling. And then I think this year you see him move into the number one cornerback spot after Gilmore got hurt. And the film just isn't that good. Like Jackson, if he's going to be a number one cornerback, he needs to take another step forward to be a true shutdown corner because he wasn't shutting down players. He wasn't shutting down the number one receiver last year. He was good. He was a good number one, but he was not like a great one. And I think Belichick's smart to recognize in the past few years that his defense is at his best when Gilmore is completely shutting people down. And before him, it was Darrell Revis, and uh, they were using all sorts of number one corners to sort of really shut down the top pass-catching offense. It's a pass-catching league. You need a good secondary. you got to build your defense from, from the back to the front now we used to think hey you need that edge rusher i don't think it's like that anymore you need that shutdown corner and so jc jackson is about to get paid like he's a shutdown corner and he's not and we've seen that so unless suddenly something changes um i think that we're going to see sort of a parting of ways between jackson just like we saw with malcolm butler malcolm butler wasn't a shutdown cornerback he's like a very good cb2 you know, maybe like the 30th, 29th best CB1, but that's like, you kind of don't want that um, unless you can get him for CB2 money. And you can't get, I don't think you're going to be able to get JC Jackson for CB2 money. He wants a big payday. So right now he's a restricted free agent. In 2022, he's going to get paid big money. So what I say is you call up Brian Flores, who knows JC Jackson very well. Flores was the defensive or the de facto defensive coordinator in New England for a year. So Flores probably likes Jackson well enough. Um, and Flores would like, in my mind, you know, maybe Flores is of, of all the people out there, maybe Flores is the guy that thinks he can turn Jackson into, you know, CB 10 in the NFL and wants to give him a bigger contract. So, Flores trades the 50th overall pick to the Patriots um, for Jackson. And the Patriots then say, okay, you know what? We're going to sign Jason McCourty. We're going to re-up Stephon Gilmore's deal. So that's CB1 and CB2-ish. you know, two-ish. We have Jonathan Jones in place. We have Jawan Williams in place. And, and that's sort of a question mark, but I'm going to give him some credit here. And they also have guys like Miles Bryant, uh, an undrafted free agent who was who was inconsistent but solid. Um, they have Jalen Mills, who uh, could play some safety, could play some cornerback. Um, and then you know you can add another cornerback in this year's draft. So, um, but what they don't have is a good plan at tackle past twenty twenty one, and that's why I like. Dylan Redunce, uh, a guy who could go in the first round, but in this mock draft, 
which I did. I did this mock draft program called on profootballnetwork.com. Anybody can do it. And it kind of keeps you honest. Like they'll let you do trade trades with draft picks. Um, and they, and then you, you know, that way you're not just like projecting the whole draft. You can see who falls and whatever. So we're yeah. falls to 50. He's a guy who I think could go, you know, at 28 even, and win could get hurt next year and Redunce could play Brett Trent Brown, I guess could get hurt too. And then, um, if nothing else, I think one or both of those tackles could be gone next year. Cause they, cause wins heading into his fifth year option, Patriots have to make a decision on that for 2022. And then Brown is on a one-year deal. So both guys are have on future, have on future excuse me, on certain futures. <laughs> and uh, it sounds like an X, X-Men movie. Yeah. Days of un, uncertain, unfuture certains. <laughs> um, sorry. So, uh, uh, but I think basically you got to solidify that. And it's not unlike what they did with Solder, um, Nate Solder many years ago where they drafted him a year before they needed him. This would be a similar move. And I think that's what sort of justifies giving up a a cornerback who's as good as Jackson on as good of a deal as he'll be on, which is like $3 million million or $4 million. That's crazy money uh, for the Patriots, like very small amount of, of money for a cornerback. And and then you get a tackle who is also rent controlled because he's a rookie. Uh, but you get him for the next four years. So I think that's a good deal for the Patriots. It's not necessarily something that people would be super happy about at first because you're, you're, you're bargaining for the future. But I think it's something that Belichick might be willing to do. Yeah, and it makes sense. And, and I like your points on J.C. Jackson. I think uh, you know Malcolm Butler is a good comp, right? It's just a player that might be overvalued by the fans. <laughs> you know, we, we, we tend to get a little horny over the uh, – you know, the, the guys that Belichick finds off the scrap heap and turn into real players. <laughs> we, uh, us fans tend to really love that thing, Henry. So uh, I think that was a good comp. Um, my last big thought off of this mock draft was in the uh, third round. Surprise, surprise. Because you found a way to get rid of Nikhil Harry and kind of right that wrong. <laughs> and and you drafted a quarterback that's not named Kyle Trask. So he's not the, uh, you know, the new version of uh, Nick Foles. Uh, you know, so you went out and found a new quarterback. Jamie Newman. What do you like about this player? You know, if the Patriots were to go and make a move for him in the middle rounds, why would you think uh, Newman would be a good fit for him? I like Newman because he he strikes me as the type of buy low player that Belichick likes to target in middle rounds, and he plays quarterback. So if if Belichick feels like he can build this guy up, a guy who has a really nice foundation of physical tools, mental tools, but hasn't quite he didn't quite put it all together in college in part because Wake Forest isn't the best school to play. Um, what's, what's also interesting about Newman was that he opted out. So he played at Wake Forest in 2019 and then transferred to Georgia. People really expected him to take, basically take Georgia to a national championship or at least the college football playoff. And he opted out of 2020. So the year where he had all this momentum, all this hype, he was even like going in mock in the first round of mock drafts. Like I, I think I put him as like a top five pick in the mock draft that I did right after the 2020 draft. Interesting. I didn't know all this. 
Yeah, he's he was he was getting a lot of love, and and basically people just sort of projected him to make a big leap in 2020, and he didn't. And then he was not super great in the Senior Bowl. Like people watched him, and they were like, "Shoot, you know, we wish we wish we'd seen this guy really do play football for 2020." And I totally respect his decision to opt out. That's not what I'm insinuating here, but I'm but I am simply saying, you know, he, he took a year off from his profession basically and everybody would be a little rusty if that was the case so in my mind he needs he needs basically an off season i'd say to knock off the rust but then he probably needs a regular season or two to develop into the player that he was he was going to be so i like that storyline uh and i like his skill set for the patriots sort of how that all could come together and if it doesn't it's a third round pick. So, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. And uh, you're giving up Nikhil Harry to the Washington Redskins who have been reported to be interested in Nikhil. Um, so you give up a third and, and, and a receiver who is basically a bust for this quarterback who again could bust ultimately. But what, what happens is you give the guy a year to develop. And if it's not working out, and you think he's he's not going to make the leap? You go out and get Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan. Um, <laughs> That's a good contingency plan. Just go get Aaron Rodgers. Well, okay, but he like, might be hosting drafted, Jeopardy. He, he's in the Jeopardy these days. Yeah, but, he like true. Maybe he'll retire. Yeah, but Jordan Love is is. I mean, all Aaron Rodgers has been saying is like, "Oh, the Packers want to get rid of me." Oh, believe me. And yeah, we, I have, mean, we have a Packers podcast. We do this every single week. We're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Rodgers, like, woe is me. Nobody likes me anymore. That's totally exactly. totally true. But um, honestly, I think Brady was probably feeling that way about Garoppolo way back when, but he wasn't saying it publicly. Right. Um, but, but uh, you know, Jordan Love could actually supplant Rodgers, and that would push Rodgers out of, out of the building. Uh, and if it doesn't, I mean, I suppose Rod, uh, Love could come available. Um, and then who else? I mentioned Matt Ryan. There's a third quarterback who oh obviously your guy jimmy garoppolo garoppolo should be available basically for free in 2021 when he will be sorry 2022 when he'll be a free agent and if he gets knocked off by a rookie this year which like kind of feels like mac jones or whoever the 49ers take at third overall like that guy will just start in week one and if not he starts in week nine because garoppolo stinks so Garoppolo, I think, is going to be available. Any any one of those three guys could be available, and the Patriots could go that direction if Cam Newton doesn't pan out this year. Um, and I think ultimately Cam will be much better, but the Patriots may still want to upgrade uh, if a veteran option, like definitely like Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan, are available. So basically – Newman is, in my mind, a very good candidate for for what they're sort of interested in, which is a developmental guy. Um, you know, if, as long as they don't they don't feel like they need to trade up for a quarterback in round one. I like. I think this is my favorite mock draft yet. Now, now I'm all in on just Jamie Newman. I'm ex- I'm I'm interested in this guy. <laughs> good for you. Good for you, Henry. Yeah. So I like that. So uh, that was my favorite mock yet from you, and you've had some fun ones. But I just I don't know. I'm ready for the. I'm kind of done with the mocks at this point. Your mocks are the most fun by by far because they're just so wild. 
and you know you actually have to be like look they, we didn't trade this time you're like it's somewhere in the fourth or fifth round look guys not a trade <laughs> yeah. so it's really good uh, yeah. but I'm just ready for the real thing I don't know about you I'm ready to see what they actually do and like start breaking that thing down so we're a week away so the countdown is on yeah I'm looking forward to the draft I will just knowing me I'm gonna squeak out one more seven round <laughs> mock draft I love uh, it. I don't know how I can make it crazier than the ones I've done. I've traded Stefan Gilmore. I've traded JC Jackson. I've traded Nikhil Harry. I've traded up in the first round. I've done two picks in the first round. I've done all sorts of wild stuff. So I don't know what to do anymore. Have Bill Belichick trade himself. That that would be a different one. Bill Belichick. You know what I should probably do? I should just have them trade like all of their picks into next year. <laughs> yeah. Like, you re- yeah, you really just, all in on this 2020. That would be a hilarious <laughs> mock draft, wouldn't it, though, where I just like... I just have all seven picks be like, or 10, just be like, no selection traded into 2022. <laughs> you should do that just to mess with uh, the, the Patriots wire fans. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man, it's so much fun. So uh, for Henry McKenna, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we will be back to talk to y'all next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.